Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today, I'm here with Eminate. Hey. <laughs> So you're born in Boca Raton. Yes, yeah. I was on an Air Force base. Yeah, so your parents were both in the Air Force. Yeah, or? it was wow. My sister was born in Germany. Yeah. And then I was born at Air Force base in Boca Raton. And then, like most Air Force kids, you know, we hopped around many mm -hmm. different places. What were your parents' like positions in it? I think my dad, my biological dad, did something with like flying planes and my mom was a police officer. Oh. Yeah, it was awesome. And then she met your stepdad who's the... Yeah, who's an artist yeah. on Capitol Records in the 80s. It was yeah. crazy. He like co-wrote the theme song to Soul Train back in the day. That's crazy. And uh, yeah, she'll, we moved to Long Beach when my mom and my real dad split up. Mm -hmm. I was about two years old. And then we moved to Long Beach and she met my dad at, after one of his shows. Mm -hmm. How old were you at I that was point? four. Oh, so then like... Early on, music was already part of Yeah, it was like, yeah. I, I remember like, you know, before he became my dad, it was like, I'd call him Uncle O'Brien and I'd go to the studio when my mom would go check out the studio and I'd see him recording. So like my first memories were like seeing people recording vocals in the studio. It was yeah. so wild. And he was doing that full time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like at the tail end of the deal with Capital was kind of like, the industry was just changing in, in, in general, but... Um, yeah, so they decided to start working for Whole Foods after that, which brought us from Long Beach to Houston, Texas. Oh, wow. And then I, I went to, like, elementary in Houston. And then from Houston, they opened up a store, a Whole Foods, in St. Louis. And that's where I went to middle school and high school. Oh, your yeah. parents are so good at a lot of things, like music I, I and know, business I and know, I know, so wild. <laughs> and, and traveling. Yeah. <laughs> Making me move every year. <laughs> What kind of music were they playing in the house when you were growing up? My dad was like a huge Stevie Wonder fan. Mm -hmm. um, obviously Michael Jackson, any any kind of soul. When I was like 13, I heard his album that he had out on Capitol and that really impacted me. He gave me a keyboard at that time and the keyboard had like these capabilities of like producing like drums was on it the Casio and strings. One? It, no, it wasn't the oh. Casio one, that was my grandma. Yeah, I was gonna say, yep. I read the one yep. about your hey, grandma you gave me a Casio. <laughs> yeah, my grandma gave me a Casio keyboard which taught me how to play. But then when I was 13, uh, my dad gave me this Yamaha PSR. It was so new school, old school, because mm. you could like put strings in and just like arrange and stuff. So I, I listened to my dad's album that he had on Capitol and I recreated it. Like I, I learned how to produce pretty much when I was 13. It was awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And were you already writing lyrics at that point? Yeah, around that same year, my sister, I have a sister who's four years older than me. She was going to NYU and I hadn't really written any songs about anything. And then she, she had a, uh, this big graduation party and I had to get her a gift. And I wait, procrastinated last minute. I didn't have her a gift, so I was like, oh, I'll just write her a song. Mm -hmm. And I'd never written a song uh, before in my life, so I wrote a song for her called Memories. It was like the cutest thing ever. <laughs> How do you describe your personality back then growing up? Oh, super goofy. <laughs> um, I was like, you know, it was really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm like mixed race, so I'm Jamaican, Greek, and Hungarian. Oh, wow. And a lot of people, when I was growing up in the 90s, 
we grew up in Houston, then we grew up in St. Louis, and all these places were like just becoming diverse, and mm -hmm. um, there was still like a lot of like racial tension and stuff. So a lot of people would, you know, call me white boy or call me Hispanic, and not even know that I'm ethnic. So yeah, I was really shy for a couple mm -hmm. years. I kind of felt like an outcast. Like when we moved to St. Louis, um, we lived in like a lower income neighborhood but I went to a school that was like predominantly in this Jewish neighborhood with lots of money and all the kids there were private schools all around us so it was you know it was weird I could never really afford to do what my friends were doing mm -hmm. so that's really why I like got obsessed with music I started just writing songs and making music like every Friday Saturday Sunday when people were starting to party and stuff mm -hmm. um, I just kind of was like a little bit of an outcast but just in my room kind of dreaming of what it would be like to get out of that town, you know? Is that the point in time that you found Coldplay? Because one of their yes. songs, like, Yeah, the scientist. Yeah. The scientist. Oh, my God, I was 15 years old. And I'll never forget this. Actually, I heard Coldplay for the first time at a church camp. My parents sent me to this church camp. And I was like, you know, no kid wants to go to a church camp, right? <laughs> so I'm at it, and you're, like, there for a few days. And it was the first time that I experienced music, um, like, how it affected people and like for for something like spirituality in a church like people are being healed by this music and like rejoicing and dancing and being moved and crying so it was very like a profound experience mm -hmm. to see what it could do and then some kid who I was at church camp with was like have you ever heard this band Coldplay and I was like no but that sounds so cool <laughs> and I wasn't really into music you know I was I had known pop music because I had an older sister and she was listening to like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys <laughs> all growing up um, but I had never really like had a band that I had been obsessed with so after that church camp I went home went straight to my buddy's place the only place that had a piano I learned The Scientist oh, wow. like I played it and played it and played it and um, and then I played it for all my friends and they were like yo bro you gotta get a new song here <laughs> so I remember like from that point on I was like wow I want to be able to write a song that has the same kind of emotional impact that it did on me and so instead of like playing somebody else's song over and over till it gets boring why don't I write my own and try and keep mm -hmm. writing my own um, and so 15 to 17 I probably wrote 80 songs <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> and I would just play gigs my parents would carry my keyboard like at local places yeah like I played at like a bookstore like Barnes and Noble <laughs> and like I'd play at this pizzeria and like, I'll never forget, one, one of the Barnes & Noble shows, I brought my girlfriend at the time, mm -hmm. and I played her a bunch of songs, and I invited like my teachers and people in my class, and she was so embarrassed. She broke up with me like a week what? later. I was so heartbroken, I was like, I just poured my soul out, you know? Oh my god. I was like looking her in the eyes when I was singing, I thought I was so now cool, she and she was it. like, nah. <laughs> She's lost contact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you're also into musical theater, right? Yeah, big time. I remember uh, freshman year was my first musical I did. I did Grease. Oh. Yeah, I was Kaneki Go Grease Lightning, <laughs> burning at the corner of my heart. Um, and I did, yeah, I remember I wanted to play sports. So I, I like loved football and I was obsessed mm -hmm. with football, even though I didn't really care about football and then soccer. But then at my school at the time, Football and soccer fell around the same time as the musicals and the plays, so I had to like choose. Um, so my freshman and sophomore year, I did like a couple plays, a couple musicals, and then by my junior year, I was fully committed. I was like, you know what, acting is kind of fun. You know, I'm like getting getting better. It's like 
I went from being class clown to like being in serious plays mm -hmm. like The Crucible and then oh, wow. I was in like West Side Story and everybody thought I would be casted as the Hispanic character in West Side Story yeah. and I got the lead. Oh, nice. So I was like, I was breaking barriers, you know, in my high school. In I was the first school. mixed kid to play Tony. <laughs> um, and then from there, yeah, uh, I, I was like following my sister at the time. Like my sister is my biggest inspiration. She was a singer before me um, and I would watch her in talent shows. I, I still believe she's got one of the best voices like oh, wow. on this planet. It's crazy. Not just because she's my sister, but mm -hmm. I literally idolized her. So I followed her to NYU. She went to Cap 21, which is a musical theater program. Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga went to the same school. Oh, it's wow. the same year as my sister, which is wild. Oh. Um, so I applied, applied to a couple different schools. I applied to um, University of Miami. I applied to Yale. I applied to Webster in Missouri. I applied to... NYU, I think that was maybe all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got into NYU, yeah. but my parents had just paid for my sister to go and they were going broke. Mm -hmm. And so I remember like I got in and one of my friends at the time got in as well and he was so excited, but I didn't want to tell him. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell anybody because I was like, I can't afford it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'd rather just not tell people I got in and not be disappointed, you know? So. I walked around school, I was so sad. <laughs> and then I came home one day and my mom was on the couch, she was in tears, she was crying. I was like, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's happening, are you okay? And she's like, Brandon, open that letter. Oh my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, I know, and, 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 I, and I opened it, it was already open because she looked yeah. at it, but I opened it and I was like reading and it was like, we have um, decided to offer you a full ride scholarship. And I was like, I literally, I can't even tell you what that feeling was because I didn't think I'd ever make it out of St. Louis. Like, I thought, you know, I was gifted and creative, but I was like ready to let like something like money or finances or like my parents, you know, economic status, like define what I could do. Mm -hmm. And like an angel, you know, came down and just gave me this opportunity. And if it hadn't been for that full ride scholarship, you know, I wouldn't have gone to NYU. I found my first producer for my freshman year. I, I dropped out, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Stay in school. <laughs> um, but I had, you know, I was 19 years old. I signed a publishing deal and then I got signed Actually, to Actually, wait, yeah, sorry. Stuff. Yeah. Going back a bit, like, yeah. were parents really keen on you doing music? Because they know it's how challenging it is, right? They, they yeah. want you to like. Well, my, my dad, um, the one who was an artist, yeah. Capital, he always told me to be wary about it because he, it was, he was in a time where people would give you cars instead of advances and stuff and just like call oh. it even and, and you, he actually dealt with like years after he, his deal with Capital, he was like, yeah. we were in a Barnes and Nobles one day and he found that Capital had released uh, best of his music without yeah. ever telling him. And so we wow. hired a lawyer and he found like $60,000 of royalties and stuff. And so I was like wary trying to make it like a career. I always knew that I was good at it, but I, mm -hmm. I really, you know, I'd always look up and see music videos on MTV or VH1 back when they still had them, you know? Yeah. And I'd be like, how am I ever gonna do a music video? Like, how am I ever gonna find guitarists to play with me on tour? It was like, mm -hmm. it just seemed like so many steps. Um, but he encouraged me to just like do it, learn how to do it on, on my own. He was like, you know, if you can't, find producers to make your beats, why don't you produce them yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they, they were very encouraging. My mom as well, my mm -hmm. mom's my biggest fan. She's literally like the number one fan. <laughs> What's the decision of like studying in college though? 
Because, like, your dad didn't go to, like, didn't even study it, right? Yeah, so it was no. Like, the, like, it is possible. Totally. From their point of view for you to just do it without going to school for uh, it. Yeah, I guess so. And I think, um, I think that was my biggest concern with even, like, being at NYU with a full scholarship is I still had to pay for housing and books. Yeah. And, like, it's a, still a lot of money, you yeah. know? And I knew pretty quickly, probably from 15, that I wanted to do music forever, like, full-time as a career. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew that the conventional way of, like, it's not that I didn't want to get an education because I love school. Obviously, I worked really hard in high school to get that full mm -hmm. scholarship, and I, I want to encourage kids to stay in school and learn. But sometimes you need that life experience, right? Yeah. And sometimes you, you're you incubated in a place for so long and you might miss that opportunity to grow. Or um, So for me, it was pretty much like, I probably wouldn't be doing music if I had graduated. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I maybe would have tried Broadway or I have no clue, I've been waiting tables in New York. Um, and it definitely was a struggle. You know, I spent a couple years um, between dropping out of school and getting signed to a label and then getting dropped from that label, struggling. Yeah, how and did you meet your manager initially? I met my manager. When you were at you? Oh my God, so back to the story of my, my dad finding royalties mm -hmm. from Capital. My mom, she, once she found the CD of his, she was like, we gotta get a lawyer, you gotta get a music attorney. And she had no clue where to find one, so she looked up online, a directory of music attorneys, and just picked one. And she called that one, and the guy was like, I can't help you, yeah. but I know somebody who can, and mm -hmm. connected us to this woman, Pam. And uh, she, I met her when I was 15, so before I got into NYU, mm -hmm. everything. And when I decided I was going to New York, my mom hit her up and she said, hey, my son's going to college out there. He still wants to do music. Wanted to know if you have any connections or managers. And mm -hmm. sure enough, she had she had a guy and he came to see me at a show mm -hmm. when I was 17, right when I got to New York. And uh, we started working together right then. And at the time he was, uh, he was like kind of not retiring, but he had had his heyday in the 60s, 70s, 80s, working on tour with Queen and Kiss. Oh, wow. So he had a lot of like good connections and mm. you know at the time I was a baby still, I was 17 yeah. years old so he was kind of like a father figure for me mm. and we spent 10 years together. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> wild. What was the turning point that you decided to drop out? I had played a talent show at NYU and it was, there was hype around it because Lady Gaga had done the same one mm -hmm. and um, I was so sick during this week of doing the talent show. First of all, let me just, can I explain the story? Cause okay, it's so yeah. funny. So I, I'm in a dorm room where like everybody who's got scholarships is in. So they're studious kids, right? So I meet my, my buddy who we start making music together. Eventually he moves into my dorm room. We're like, you gotta move in. We gotta make a ton of music. So my, my next door neighbor, Right when he moved in, before we started making a bunch of movies, she knocks on our door and she goes, hey, there's a talent show for each dorm. Mm -hmm. We thought you'd be great. We know you do music and yeah. you audition for the talent show. And so I was like, sure. So I did the talent show for our dorm and I ended up winning it. Oh, it was nice. so awesome. So once you win that one, everyone from each dorm goes to the big one. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a few months in between it though. So in those few months, my buddy and I are making so many beats. <laughs> And this girl who asked me to do the talent show would 
called RA on us, bang on our walls. Oh, I'm trying to study. <laughs> and then uh, so funny. I, I'll never forget because I remember seeing her at the big talent show and I was like, thank you so much for asking me to do this. And yeah. she, was like, she looked at me and she was <laughs> like, like, I hate you. you. <laughs> I can't wait till you leave. <laughs> um, but then, I, yeah, I had this really bad cold and I couldn't hear out of my right ear. And I was like really, really nervous, like so stressed out. I'd never done something like that big for that many people before. Mm -hmm. um, and I was last to go. So like the whole night, I'm just waiting for like 50 kids to perform. And then I get up and I play a little song. I wrote about a girlfriend from high school. And I'm singing my heart out. And I'm like, I can barely hear out of one ear. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh my God, this is so stressful. And then I won it, and I had no clue why or how it happened. There were people mm -hmm. doing electric violin and oh, dancing wow. and backflips and beatboxing and stuff. Um, but I remember looking down at my buddy who I was planning on dropping out with, and he just pointed at me. I pointed at him, and I was like, "Dude, like what? Like maybe we should do this, you know? Like mm -hmm. I'm just some kid from St. Louis who's playing songs on the piano, writing. You know, I'm not even studying music. I'm studying musical theater, and here mm -hmm. I am. Like the universe is just." lining so many things up for me and it was pretty fast dropping out to kind of getting discovered in a way it was like I spent maybe a year couch surfing you went to like Nor was it Norway? yeah I went to yeah. Norway and then I got discovered from a Swedish company from there oh. Sony ATV and um, yeah and then I came back to New York and I got set up in my first songwriting sessions with people found myself out in Brooklyn and at the time there's this company in Brooklyn called Pilot Creative and this huge producer now, this guy named Benny Blanco, he was oh, yeah. managed there and this whole group of amazing artists, like this guy named Gallant was an intern at Pilot Creative. Oh my so gosh. crazy. All these big hit songwriters and stuff. So little me getting in there, I never really co-written before. Yeah. And um, the first couple songs I did caught the ear of this AR named Cara Diaguardi. And she was just coming off of American Idol at the time. Oh wow. So she flew me out to Los Angeles. I was tw I just turned 20. That's crazy. And I showcased, I played piano um, and, and just sang for like 20 people at Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And then a few months later they signed me, which was so wild. Mm -hmm. And then I spent two years just writing in LA. I didn't even fully live in LA. I was just going back and forth between mm -hmm. New York and LA. It got really depressing. I was like, I thought it was gonna be a quick thing. I thought I was gonna get a record deal and kind of like, you know, just take off. Like they would mm -hmm. put me on the radio, or uh, you know, one something would happen, mm -hmm. and, and it, it quickly. I quickly realized there's a lot more politics involved. Oh, had, you, yeah. you're already putting out stuff with them, or like I hadn't put out anything. Oh, okay. and, and actually, some of my songs that I wanted to put out were starting to get cut by other artists, and. That meaning like they would yeah. put them out and, and so I would be so frustrated because I'm like you see like it's doing it's number one in Canada like imagine if I put it out or something mm -hmm. so I was getting really frustrated yeah did but, you ever consider being yeah. like a writer just like a songwriter I didn't even know like I never really I guess I always just thought of myself as an artist I didn't really mm. know that other artists didn't write their own songs yeah. so I didn't really think that until like Wikipedia came around and like Spotify's got this credit thing. Like, yeah. You see like 12 people on a song. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? But, and, and now obviously, you know, I've written for other people, but at the time I was really naive and mm -hmm. kind of like just focused on trying to, trying to build my career. And thank God that some songs didn't come out for me and went to other artists because that helped me recruit my publishing deal oh. um, that I signed when I was 19. And, just kind of gave me more credibility and I would just get into better rooms with other people.
Yeah. And then you toured with John Mayer, right? I didn't tour with John Mayer. We opened, yeah, oh, okay. opened for him. So my girlfriend and I, in uh, 2016, her name is Molly Moore, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, in 2016, we started a band called Cosmos and Creature, like an electronic kind of pop band. Mm -hmm. And our first, our very first show, we played at this place, School Night Bardo, and Dua Lipa was there, like playing the same night. So it was her first show oh and our gosh. first show. And then like. I forget, like maybe like one or two months after that, it was Molly and I's two-year anniversary, mm -hmm. and we were playing at Hotel Cafe where we met. Yeah. We met each oh other my there, gosh. and we're playing our first kind of like, okay, here we go. You know, we're not playing like a showcase. This is our first like booked show, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're playing, and it's packed, and we're like, what the fuck, like. There's no way all these people came out for Cosmos and Creature, right? <laughs> and so I get off the stage and this booker comes over to me and goes, Hey, can John use your guitar? And I goes, I go, what? John who? And I was like thinking in my head, like, I know John Mayer plays here, but there's no way John Mayer is gonna like be here right now. And she was like, John Mayer. And like everything slowed down. I was like <laughs> I was like, sure, I gave her my guitar, but the thing about that guitar was yeah. so out of tune after my set. Oh my so gosh. I'm like, if I give my hero an out-of-tune guitar right now, <laughs> I'm gonna like, so I ran backstage, I was like, no, you can't use it. And luckily he had a guitarist coming in already, but it was so interesting. We went backstage with him uh, right right after our show mm -hmm. and he was just like dropping wisdom. He was just like, oh, wow. you know, Molly and I, it was our first show that we planned together. So we were really stressed. We were like fighting all day and stuff. And I guess he could like sense that or something. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, if I could give you guys any advice, you know, I'd just say, uh, claim your time, you know, because the time you spend fighting, you could be building something like beautiful That's together. So true. And I was like, damn, John, man. Yeah. Molly, Molly was literally like, <laughs> and I was literally like, <laughs> so funny. I was like, oh we literally like, we love you, John. <laughs> it was great. And what made you decide yeah. to change your name? Oh, yeah, so Eminate is actually my middle name. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, from my Jamaican heritage. It means, it comes from the word emanation, which is like light and sound emanates. It means to come forth. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was eight years old and my mom and uh, my stepdad got married, I took on my stepdad's last name. So Brandon Burnett, for me, has always mm -hmm. felt like kind of like stage name oh okay and emanate has when i dropped emanate when i changed my last name because mm -hmm. that was also my biological father's middle name and so at the time my mom wasn't really a big fan of my real dad so I, and i was seven years old so i don't really have a choice mm -hmm. so i just kind of like decided no i'll drop my name you know i'll just become brandon burnett and um after warner brothers after i did this little period I did a little, uh, an audition for American Idol, and I decided not to do the show, but they aired it. And oh. I, I gained a lot of fans from it and stuff, but there was just all this stuff out there. I had mm -hmm. tons of EDM features and songs, song Elefantes, dude, Boom, all these things that were like out there. Mm -hmm. And so when I was deciding to do Emanate, I just, the sound had changed a little more. I, I decided to trust my productions more. Mm -hmm. It became like, like I said, like the experience that I had at church camp where it was like live musicians, mm -hmm. like strings and gospel singers and, you know, like emotional music. And the way I had been trained at Warner was to write pop hits and like everything needs to be catchy and like you need to shock the world. And Emanate is like less about that. It's more so about like authenticity and mm -hmm. trying to like 
bring people up and and create that same effect of like um, healing for people. So yeah, Brandon Burnett felt like the pop version of me and Emanate feels like, you know, the stripped back, more soulful, real version. Mm -hmm. And were you worried about like the fans and how they would cross over? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was like such a huge concern. I guess, you know, I've, I spent the last couple of years developing a really strong bond with them. Mm -hmm. um, we've been through some hard times together, you know. <clears throat> My girlfriend lost her dad in April, mm. and that's been so incredibly hard on her. And I've just seen the way that they've embraced her during that period, oh. embraced us. Same thing with me when I got dropped from Warner Brothers and I was really depressed. At the time, I was doing these things called Brand Fan Fridays, where I would Skype two fans every Friday, no matter oh. what. And I'll never forget, I was so sad, because mm -hmm. I just got the call, hey, they're letting you go from Warner Brothers. I had spent five years of my life at this place. And I had two fans to Skype. <laughs> so I picked myself up, I you know, I wiped the tears away and I Skyped the fans. And I just sat and played them acoustic songs and we talked about life. And one of my fans like spoke some poetry that she was doing oh. in class. And I, I just realized that like what I was going for being signed was like millions of fans screaming my name. And like it's so easy when you come to Los Angeles to like lose um, like who you are in the process and when I had nothing and still had people caring about me and wanting to hear my music and needing to hear it too and crying on these Skypes and stuff and sharing opening up about their lives I realized like that I wouldn't trade that for anything so if it's like mm -hmm. five people that I touch or one person or a hundred people um, it's not about the numbers I think and that's what I'm excited about Emine is kind of removing myself, removing Brandon Burnett out of it and kind of giving my all on the music and then just giving it away. How did the song with BB Rexa that you wrote come about? That was crazy. So I it was in my first couple years living in Los Angeles. I had a week booked with John Bellion. Mm -hmm. We were working, we had just made an EP together and working on some more music. And then he got called into another session. So I had like one or two more days in this studio, in this nice studio. So mm -hmm. I'm like, who could I hit up? Who could I hit up? And I knew BB from New York. We both were like scrubbing around on the Lower East Side. Um, I also knew her like earlier. Yeah, early I knew. Yeah, because we had in New York. Like, there's not many people in the music industry in New York, but like, whoever was there, they mm -hmm. would all kind of swirl around because we were all like, we got to get the fuck out of New York and get mm -hmm. to LA. Um, so she was. This was before she was even an artist. She had just written a song for, I think, this artist, Nikki Williams. And she was, like, talking to me about... She came to the studio, and we just kicked it for a minute, and we were talking about how frustrating it is. Like, we want to be artists, and all of our songs keep getting cut <laughs> by other people. And this is so ironic, because I had this idea, and it was like, You're a bitch, and I don't like you. I just wrote this song to spite you. Now it's playing on the radio. And she was like, oh, I fucking love that, that's so dope. <laughs> so we wrote like a little verse and a little pre-chorus and then she um, had to scram so her and her producer took the session back to New York. Mm -hmm. Eight months later, fast, fast forward, I haven't heard from BB <laughs> and I'm at a meeting at Warner Brothers and this A&R was like, Brandon, you're a bitch. And I was like, what? Was this, why is this guy calling me a bitch? And he was like, no, I love that song you wrote for BB. Yeah. And I was like, I had to like rack my brain. And I was like, oh my God, wow. 
And so I guess she had finished the song yeah. in New York with like four or five other people. Yeah. Um, and was getting signed to Warner Brothers. And I was like really confused because I had never, I, you know, yeah. when you work on a song, you usually stand and touch about it. But it was all good. I saw her and I was like, yo, that's so crazy. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, as every label do does, they like never put that song out or anything. She went mm -hmm. to a completely different direction. Um, but yeah, like from then she put out Drinking About You and then she did the Cash Cash record. I mean, she was destined to make it like regardless. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was cool to be um, a part of her early career of like, her path to getting discovered. Mm -hmm. How about with Sabrina Carpenter? Yeah, so that was, uh, I wrote a song on my own, and that was, I, I wasn't working with her on that one. Um, I wrote this song called Breathe, and it got sent to Sabrina to, to cut. And so I got a version with her voice on it. I guess her team, they weren't sure about it, and so it got sent to Pentatonix. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I love them, that's crazy. Like, yeah. I can't imagine something piano turned into an acapella and then it didn't work out with pentatonics and then it ended up with the fucking Backstreet Boys <laughs> which is crazy because my sister would literally have their faces plastered all over her wall like my first concert I'm pretty sure was the Backstreet Boys when I was eight years old That's crazy. like my sister dragged me and my mom and her best friend to the show and I, I, I looked over and like my sister's veins are popping out of her neck screaming. And I remember looking up and seeing them flying over us, and I was like, wow, this is pretty fucking cool. Like, what the heck? So to have, like, a song come out with them literally 20 years after that, mm -hmm. I'm 28, yeah. was bananas. Um, um, yeah, so the, so the first started with Sabrina Carpenter, then went Pentatonix, and then ended up with the mm -hmm. Backstreet Boys. And so many songs, like, it happens with. Like, it'll go through four or five different artists before it comes out on the right one. Yeah. And then wait, did you say that Charlie Puth one was a, was that a song or? Yes. Okay, that was, a, yeah, that was a, yeah, that was amazing. Okay. Yeah. And how about Charlie Puth? Yeah, so the, the Charlie thing was very bizarre. I had, um, I was working on my album with Warner Brothers, uh, working with this guy, Mike Karen, and uh, he discovered Bruno Mars, Ed mm -hmm. Sheeran, Kehlani, all these people. Oh. Hi guys! Um, anyway, so I was getting dropped from Warner. It was really depressing. Mm -hmm. And all of my songs that I was going to put out on my album started getting cut by other people. And so one of them went to Charlie Puth. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a song that other writers were on and stuff that was started before I even got involved. Um, but it was on his album when his first album came up on the pre-order. Mm -hmm. And then the day that the album came out, they replaced it with We Don't Talk Anymore. <laughs> so crazy, I had no clue. It was yeah. like the most insane thing ever. Mm -hmm. So it was the Charlie Puth cut that almost was. <laughs> was. Yeah. And then, did I miss anyone? Then we'll oh, just jump to see Oki. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, EXO? No, anybody care about EXO? Oh yeah, 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 okay. And how did you start working with like K-pop Yeah, that was cool. I got, I got called one day. Um, by my friends, Mike. Uh, they go by Rice and Peace, mm -hmm. and they work with Bozzy. You know the artist yeah. Bozzy. They they make all of his music, oh, wow. but they also do a ton of K-pop stuff. So, um, K-pop is an interesting thing because like it's kind of factory made, you yeah. know. And so they send direct briefs like, we want this type of beat with like guitars, and then like to sound like this and indie, and then we need an eight-bar rap. <laughs> And so the session was like 30 minutes. My girlfriend and I went in, we wrote the song, we sang it. And then they asked us to write a rap the next day. 
And then about a week later, they sent us a version back with the whole group singing it, which That's was so insane. They changed every lyric, oh my gosh. except for the title. <laughs> and it was so funny because I was like, I remember I put, a, I actually got in trouble. I put out the demo of it, and all at, at this time that we put the song out, yeah. that they put the song out, their fans are so crazy. So I tweet about it. I'd be like, hey, like, what do you guys think about Been Through? Yeah. 30,000 retweets. And I was just, my phone would freeze and it was just insane. So I, I put up my my demo of it, which is all in English. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of the EXO fans yeah. started like sharing it and like following me and stuff. And They're like fire. <laughs> yeah. And then I get I get uh, hit up by one of the producers on the song and he was like, yo, take that shit. <laughs> so thank you for not suing me, SM. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, but it was really cool. It was, it was crazy to see that, that the music community like somewhere in like Korea where they're actually buying records still. I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure that, that sold like half a million copies or something oh, like that. That's crazy. Yeah. How about your upcoming song with Steve Aoki? Yeah, so I gotta give this one to my girlfriend Molly. Mm -hmm. She's a hustler. She gets our song. She she sent a song to the chain smokers for, for a while. They were working on a couple of our songs. She just finds emails of people and just yeah. hits them up. So I think she had a song come out on Dinmok and um, we're pretty close with Steve's manager, this guy named Matt Coleman. Oh, okay. He's like one of the first people to start placing our music and, and getting our cuts out there. We had a song come out with Lost Kings, Two Friends, all these DJs that led to that. Mm -hmm. um, so Molly wrote this song with another writer. Steve loved it and he was gonna produce it for his album. Oh, wow. But they, at first they were gonna feature Cosmos and Creature and then they were in the studio with Lauren Jeregui, one of the Fifth Harmony yeah. girls. And they, they, they were going to get her on it. And somehow all of the versions fell through. Um, so we hit them up and said, hey, we never heard, you know, Steve's version. Can we hear it? Yeah. So they kindly sent it through and we were like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> this can't just not come out. It's like yeah. the coolest beat ever. And so we're thinking, you know, it's going to be hard to get... Steve to be down to put it out and mm -hmm. stuff and and um, Molly like DM'd him and, and said hey you know, wow. we, we dig this and so he, yeah he's dropping it on his label in That's a month crazy. or two yeah wow. it'll be really fun how about with Dubs yeah Dubs was really cool I worked with them like two weeks ago mm -hmm. um, I got called in one of my friends uh, who produced Amen mm -hmm. uh, he works a lot with EDM like tons of stuff. I can't talk about some of them because he's like ghost producing. Um, anyway, he brought me in with dubs and these guys are super cool. They're Canadian. They're brothers and they're just like, you know, got long hair, surfer vibes. They yeah. live in the, the fattest house. Um, I don't want to say where. <laughs> anyway, they live in the fattest house. So I go and buy and I'm like, wow, like this is literally goals. This is insane. And you know, it was a really cool, easy session. I'm writing with. It's not a, often you get to write with the artists or mm -hmm. like DJs write. You know what I'm oh, saying? That's so, true. they were actually really, really good, and we hit a vibe. And um, yeah, I think they're really excited about it. So I'm excited to see where it goes, and it might, it might feature me. Mm -hmm. so, awesome. Yeah. How would you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? Uh, yeah. I think I've gotten more focused, um, and that's like a lot. Thanks to my girlfriend. Because mm -hmm. when I was younger, you know, I was just partying and searching for love and kind of like replacing bad habits for other bad habits. And when I found Molly, I kind of like stopped 
searching for the other stuff mm -hmm. and got a chance to like really look inward again. Even when we write music together, I write a lot of my music with my girlfriend, which is oh, so okay. cool. Um, and when we're writing, you know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to put on an act, you know what I mean? I'm just looking at my like person that I want to be with mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, okay, yeah, we're in love. Okay, yeah, we fight. Yeah, we have sex. Like what else is there to write about that instead of just mm -hmm. the surface level stuff, you know? I, I kind of think it's it's a unique perspective because everybody's like writing about love and relationships but imagine like it's so crazy to write about love and relationships with the person you're oh, in yeah. that relationship with. Yeah, what is that like? Because you, you want to say like bad yeah, things. Yeah, something? sometimes, you know, sometimes she'll be like, what did you write that about? Or like, who is that about? Or like, you know, she'll play me something and look over at me like pissed off, you know, like, like yeah. yeah, 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 you hear that, you know? But it's great, you know, it's like another form of communication for us. Like, you know, we have great conversations. The thing I love about her is we go really in depth and stuff, but, and the thing I think most people love about music is it helps you articulate something that you feel inside, but it's harder to say, you know? Mm -hmm. And especially when we're performing on stage and we're like yeah. screaming at each other and stuff, <laughs> it's like the healthy way to fight, you know? <laughs> what was the inspiration behind Inspired the video and the song? Oh yeah. Um, inspired came about uh, after a show that Molly and I had with another artist named Lizzie Land, mm -hmm. who played at Madame Siam's. She was so dope. She had this cool indie electro 80s vibe. And uh, I thought, you know, this would be really unique if we all got into a room together. I have no clue what, what would happen. And so she came over to our house. I had just gotten a new laptop and I had made um, the beginnings of the beat for Inspired. And she was like opening up to us. She was like, you know, guys, I love, I, I, she was like, I, I'm so inspired. Like, you guys have a house and like in Los Angeles, I've just been renting and I've been working a job. And I just decided to quit my job to do music full time. Oh, wow. She was like, I couldn't be as creative as I wanted to be and split my energy. And so I, I rarely meet people who have the balls to make the decision. So when I do, I'm literally like, fuck yeah, I'm so proud of you, like, this is so cool that you're going for it because sometimes you got to take those risks for crazy things mm -hmm. to happen. So I was like, I know what we're going to write about today. Let's write about that. Let's yeah. write about, like, it starts off like, I don't have to know the answers every time. I don't have to feed the bad thoughts in my mind. I just want to feel good. It was just like, we were literally speaking each word, um, you know, as we were writing it and then Molly came into the room and started saying, yeah, you got me inspired. And it just all came together so naturally. I took it away for um, maybe three or four days and just sat with it. And I wrote the first verse on my own. I was like, yeah, we used to have fun. Yeah, we used to connect. Yeah, we used to go out. And so I had all these little pieces going, but it felt like, it was like a minute and a half. And so mm -hmm. I was like, shit, this is really short. This isn't even really a full <laughs> song. So. I took it to my buddy Dave, who lives about a mile from me in North Hollywood. Mm -hmm. He put some live bass on it, some guitars. We had my other buddies come put some horns on it. So I was slowly starting to build it out. Mm -hmm. And um, and then finally, I came up to the bridge and I didn't know what to write. And I remembered this lullaby my mom sang me when I was baby. It's like, Brandon, Brandon. Never you feel trouble, trouble will. And I was like singing it in my head and then I pressed play on it. I was like, that would be mm -hmm. crazy if it fit, right? Yeah. 
I press play in the same key that I was singing in, that the, the key that's ingrained in my brain yeah. forever, you know? Um, is in perfectly in key, it's wow, perfectly in time. Crazy. And so that brings me to the video. Um, mm -hmm. I had this, you know, the fact that my mom pretty much inspired the bridge of the song, something that she sang to me. I started thinking about what I wanted to accomplish with the video and with Amen, the first mm -hmm. video I did, it was kind of like psychedelic. I was making a statement of just like getting into a coffin in the beginning as Brandon Burnett, coming out as m and in a church, a trippy choirs and stuff. And so I wanted to work with the same director. I love this guy, mm -hmm. Justin Frick. But I wanted to do something more authentic, like peeled back and real. So we decided to tell a story about a young woman um, who's, you know, going through life, getting evicted from her place, you know, trying to be inspired just like any mm -hmm. any of us. And I don't want to give away any parts <laughs> of it, but let's just say, um, but I guess what I will say about it is, like, how cool would it be to be able to walk in your parents' shoes, right? Mm. And see their their... Um, tough moments that they went through to get you being here and and what you can kind of take from that and your own journey um, yeah yeah I love that last question yes what does love mean to you what does love mean to me love is um, being understood mm. and relating and also um, I feel like love is equal parts sad as it is joy. Interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Think on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you. Yo, you're the best. Oh, oh we can't. Well, can we do a little hug? Hi, <laughs> yeah. guys. Later.